Brittany Drexel was a 17-year-old girl who in 2009 would attempt to convince her mother, Dawn, to let her go on a trip during spring break to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Brittany's mother would refuse, telling her that since there was no adult supervision on the trip and that she didn't know any of the other people going, that she wouldn't feel comfortable with her daughter going alone. Her mother didn't have a good feeling about the trip either, and all avenues pointed to a strict no when answering her daughter's question. Brittany and her mother would clash in the days following, as she really wanted to go on this trip and didn't expect such a stern no. Brittany would tell her mother that she needed time to calm down and that she wanted to stay with a friend for a few days. Her mother would agree this time, and Brittany would leave the house, but would never return. Brittany would secretly travel to Myrtle Beach without the approval of her mother, and while she would arrive safely, tragedy would soon strike. She would leave her hotel at around 8pm on the night of April 25th to travel a short distance to visit a friend she had known for years. She would arrive at the friend's hotel, and she would also leave at around 8.45. She would message her boyfriend after she had left who had not joined her on the trip. The couple would message each other for around 30 minutes, but then she would suddenly stop replying. Her boyfriend panicked and phoned her friends who were on the trip to check if she was okay. This would fail and he would instead phone Brittany's mother. And this is the first time that Dawn would become aware that her daughter had been over 800 miles away. Dawn would make multiple phone calls to her husband and to the police, and lots of people would attempt to contact Brittany to no success. Myrtle Beach police would begin searching for her the morning after. They would view security camera footage to pin down the last sighting of her and the time of it, and they would also interview the last person she had been in contact with who was identified as a 20-year-old nightclub promoter named Peter. They would search her hotel room, but would find nothing of note. They would also publicly state that they currently had no person of interest, but that no one had been ruled out. Since she had her mobile phone with her, police were able to track it, and they found that it had last pinged almost 60 miles away, somewhere near Georgetown. Nothing would come of this apart from some theories. Dawn would speak out publicly many times about what she thought happened to her daughter, and investigators would also speak out on multiple occasions with the little case updates that they had. It looked as if this was destined to continue, and that the case would forever remain unsolved. But that was until May 2022, when a 62-year-old man named Raymond Moody would turn himself in to the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office for obstruction of justice. On May 4th, 2022, Moody would confess to the slaying of Brittany Drexel and would provide police with a location of where she had been buried. By May 15th, remains had been dug up and identified as Brittany. The police and the family of Brittany made the information of his arrest and involvement in the case public the next day and stated that she had been buried by April 26, 2009. He was charged with kidnapping and slaying Brittany and he pleaded guilty to all charges, resulting in a sentence of life in prison with two additional 30-year sentences on top of that to be served consecutively. Possibly the worst detail about all of this though is that Moody had been identified as a person of interest in the case as far back as 2011 and information from one of his exes could have helped move the case forward quicker if the pieces had just been put together. 
The Eldorado Jean Doe was a young woman born in 1968. She had a troubled upbringing that involved multiple father figures, a lot of physical and emotional hardships, an addiction to illegal substances, and an ambition to rehab. She would also move houses a lot in her early life, but eventually this would result in a move to Dallas, Texas, where her true story would begin. She would work at KFC, and during her time in Dallas, she would be arrested two times that we know of. She would identify herself as Cheryl Ann Wick. She would be arrested in Garland, Texas in February of 1991, before being arrested again in May in El Dorado. On July 10th, 1991, her remains were discovered in a motel in El Dorado. It was discovered that her ex-boyfriend, a man named James McAlphin, was responsible for her slaying, and he was subsequently charged in relation to her case. He constantly denied the accusations, and instead claimed that she had taken her own life, and that he had absolutely nothing to do with it. As well as this, he also claimed to know her true identity, but refused to hand it over unless paid to do so. It seemed as if all hope wasn't lost though, as her ID was found on her person. The name on the ID was Cheryl Ann Wick, the same name she had given the multiple times she had been arrested, but this proved to be a dead end. When the parents of Cheryl were contacted, and it was determined that the real Cheryl was still alive, and that our Jane Doe had actually stolen her identity. The search for her name continued, but investigators had very little to go on. By this point, they had written off McAlphin as being an unreliable source, so they started to search for any clues as to her past, as told by her to her friends. She told some people that she had worked as a topless dancer in the past, whereas she told other people that she was in witness protection, or that her father was a prominent figure in the mafia. Other people were also told that she was responsible for crimes in multiple locations. The crimes she claimed to be involved in were mainly armed robberies, such as a string of robberies against truck drivers with an accomplice. This claim was tied to an unsolved case of a truck driver who was slain in 1988, and near the crime scene, a woman and a man were spotted matching the description of R. Jane Doe and the man she claimed to have worked with. This connection has never been confirmed. The case would go unsolved for years, until 2019, when a second cousin of the Eldorado Jane Doe would be identified for the use of DNA. Now, in 2022, it was confirmed by a forensic specialist that El Dorado Jane Doe had finally been given her name back, and that name was Kelly. Her surviving family have chosen not to reveal her surname, but with this development, Kelly has finally been identified. In 1993, the remains of a 30-year-old woman would be discovered lying on a highway ramp. Investigators would discover that she had last been seen alive a few days before her remains had been found. They also discovered that the woman, named Sherry Herrera, had been- Apart from this though, they really had nothing to go on, as there were little evidence at the scene, so this case went cold for many years. In June of 2022, however, a retired truck driver named Douglas Thomas would be charged with her slaying. Cold case detectives had been investigating the case when they would match Thomas's DNA with DNA found at the crime scene. The DNA from the crime scene had been uploaded in 2002, and a match was eventually found when it was linked to DNA found at another crime scene, this time for 
1992 slaying of Shanda Hayes. This was a jackpot though, as the DNA at the 1992 crime scene had already been matched to Thomas, and by this point, he had already been taken into custody and charged with the crime. The circumstances of the 1992 crime also matched up with Herrera's slaying, as Hayes had been slain in the same way, and earned money the same way, by providing pleasure for money. As far as I'm aware, Thomas is in custody in Texas, but after he is prosecuted there for the slaying of Hayes, a request will be made for him to be extradited to California to be prosecuted for the slaying of Herrera. Hopefully, these cases can finally be put to rest, and the man behind the crimes can finally serve time for what he has done. On July 26, 1974, a young girl would be chasing a dog in the Race Point Dunes when she would make a terrifying discovery. She would discover human remains. The remains were those of a woman. She was nude, and she was lying on a beach towel, with her head resting on folded jeans and a blue bandana. Her head had almost been crushed, and her hands had been removed. Two sets of footprints were found leading to the body, and tire tracks were found very close to the scene. She had long hair, and there were no signs of a struggle or investigators determined that she may have perished up to two weeks before being discovered. They also determined that she was about 5 foot 6, 145 pounds, had an athletic build, had dental work done, and was between the ages of 25 and 40. The cause was determined to be the crushing of one side of her head. Some investigators working the case also believed that her hands and some teeth had been removed in an attempt to halt the identification of the victim or of the person responsible. The Lady of the Dunes was buried on October 1974. Investigations into the case continued, and police suspected that her remains had been moved there after the crime had been committed due to the surrounding area looking undisturbed, and the sheer lack of evidence despite multiple extensive searches of the dunes. Her remains were exhumed in 1980, however, nothing new was discovered. They buried her again, but kept the skull, which was used in 2010 to create this reconstruction of what she may have looked like in life. She was also exhumed in 2000 to get her DNA. Many people were ruled out, and a lot of leads were followed, however, the identity of the Lady of the Dunes remained a mystery. In 2015, the case was pushed to people on the internet, as an eagle-eyed viewer of the film Jaws would take note of an extra that looked incredibly similar to the Lady of the Dunes. There was a shot of a crowd during a beach scene, in which a woman was spotted wearing a blue bandana and jeans, the items that were found with the Lady of the Dunes. It was found that the scene had been shot about 100 miles from the area where the Lady of the Dunes had been discovered, and that filming was happening between May and October of 1974. This possible lead was brought to the attention of a lead investigator in the case, and he showed a lot of interest. It has never been confirmed if the extra on Jaws really was the Lady of the Dunes. In 2022, skeletal remains were used to generate a DNA profile for the woman, and this was used to identify distant relatives who were then contacted, and the Lady of the Dunes subsequently identified. On October 31st, 2022, the FBI announced that the Lady of the Dunes had been identified as Ruth Marie Terry, and that she was 37 years old when her life was taken from her. She was also a mother, and was from Tennessee. It is unknown why she was in Massachusetts at the time of her slaying, but it is likely that she had connections there, and someone that she knew was responsible for the crime due to the suspected attempts to hide her identity, and the identity of the person responsible. No suspects have been publicly revealed, but the Massachusetts State Police have confirmed that they are investigating the case as a homicide. 
thank you to my Patreon supporters Maury Gann, Neil, Alex Rod, K4 Silver, Dennis, Chelsea Weinzo, Cynic Zally, and Entrepreneur for your continued support. Sharing this video would be appreciated as it really helps out the channel. This will be my final video of 2022, but I'll be back on January 4th for another step into the darkness. Thank you for all the support this year, it means the world to me, and I'm so glad that I have such a kind and strong community. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.